Welcome back for another episode of Triple G, Ginger's Gridiron and Golf Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Kerr, a.k.a. The Ginger, and we are back for another busy week here on the podcast and fresh off possibly the greatest weekend in NFL football that we've seen maybe in the 102-year history of, uh, of the NFL and, and football but definitely what we've seen here over the last 20 years and in my lifetime in the NFL, absolutely amazing weekend. I can't think of any uh, any weekend that was better than that. This was always my favorite week in football. I always found that it, it really produced the best football. Um, you're down to the best eight teams. You know, you usually get six of the eight best teams in the NFL that make it through to this divisional round. There's always usually one or two wild wire wild cards. Uh, no pun intended uh, from the previous weekend, wild card weekend. But um, divisional weekend always shapes up nicely. Always some sexy matchups, and it did not disappoint this week. But uh, we're going to get into that on the podcast. We're going to review the divisional weekend. We're going to look at... Uh, what quarterbacks had the most to play for last week and what who has the most to play for this week as we move into the conference championship AFC and NFC. And then uh, we're going to dip quickly into uh, a preview of those conference championships. We'll send you off to break, and when we get back, we'll uh, get into the world of golf. So that kind of uh, shapes up the episode for this week here on the podcast. Folks, make sure you're uh, rating, reviewing, and sharing our podcast, following following us along on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and now YouTube. Give us a subscribe. Give us a like wherever you uh, consume the podcast. Um, That would be greatly appreciated. But let's get into it. And before we get into uh, our review of the Divisional Round Week we're going to talk briefly here about uh, some news, as always in the NFL. Not only is there playoff football going on, but the coaching carousel continues to turn, and it took a drastic um, left turn today and over the last couple days um, here with the news of Sean Payton and the New Orleans Saints. Sean Payton is going to tempor- temporarily retire. Uh, says much to much similar to Jimmy Johnson. Back in the uh, the Miami Dolphin days, he is going to step down as the head coach of the New Orleans Saints, and uh, he did a hell of a job. He did a hell of a job this year. I I banged the table for him myself, um, and he did a great job with the with the quarterbacks and the cap situation down there and that roster, and then to be stricken with injuries. Um, holdouts, Michael Thomas injured, uh, you know, missing Calvin, uh, Alvin Kamara for four games, having to start, you know, Ian Book on on Monday Night Football, uh, to Taysom Hill, to Jameis Winston at the start of the year, to get that squad to uh, above 500, 9 and 8, and be right in the playoff hunt, uh, right to the to the end of it all. And um, you know what? Without a Sam Fran uh, comeback. 
would have been a would have been a playoff uh, playoff team in 2021-2022 here. So heck of a job from Sean Payton. And, and whether you like the man or dislike the man, um, because like any man, he has his faults and he has his strengths and he has his weaknesses. But um, he's a hell of a football coach, that's for sure. And, and he can scheme up an offense and he knows how to get his playmakers the football um throughout the course of the game and and in crunch time and he and he knows how to put his team in a position of strength i think that's the number one thing with sean payton that uh offensively he uh he's very gifted at uh, at doing so the saints will open up a head coaching search and and a couple of the names right off the hop um you know aaron glenn which was a name that uh was floated around um and 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 he did coach in new orleans I believe as the secondaries coach in uh, in 16 and 17, if my memory serves me correctly, and then Dennis Allen. But I'm sure the Saints will start to go through um, a more extensive search and open up some some more names and, and potential names to that job. But um, not as sexy as that job would have been two, three years ago, that's for sure. Um, you're looking at a team that does not have a franchise quarterback on the roster. Um as much as they signed Taysom Hill to that, um, you know, quasi ridiculous deal, it is a deal that they can get out of here uh, after this year, pretty pretty easily without too much too much uh, dead money. And uh, seventy million dollars projected over the salary cap in twenty twenty two, so they're still in cap jail for uh, for Mickey Loomis and and the uh, the New Orleans Saints. So it's it's to me New Orleans is it's going to continue to to fall down the ranks if you will uh just because of the cap they're going to have to take a step back you know take a step back before you take two steps forward type of thing and and um the Saints are going to do that this year they're going to eat this cap and then they'll probably go ahead and try to find the head coach um that uh, that they're looking for you know what I, what I hope is is that I if Sean does decide to come back, I, I really would not want it to be with the New Orleans Saints just because, you know, what's the point of all this? To bring in a lame duck coach and a lame duck year when you're $70 million over the cap because the guy, you know, Sean Payton just wants a rest? No, that's not. That's that's not the right thing to do. So to me, if, I, if I'm going in there as a, as a potential head coach candidate, that's going to be one of my first questions is, you know, what is the situation with Sean? Am I just a lame duck here and going to use this as experience? Or do I have a potential here to get out from cap jail, find our franchise quarterback, and build this thing from the ground up again uh, and get back to uh, you know the playoffs and, and being a contender in uh, in the NFL? So that's that's key for the Saints. It'll be real interesting to see what names get uh, continue to get floated around there as we open up. But real strange in the NFL that we're two weeks into this search and not a single candidate's been hired from a head coaching perspective i just find it uh very strange that they bang the drum all these years to to try to get this thing earlier and allow us to have access to to these coaches earlier and the nfl goes ahead and does it and now nobody's hiring anybody um so it's the same old song and dance here where they're waiting it out and waiting it out so to me i'm kind of on on dutch's old old front where what in the hell was the point of opening it up for two weeks if if these teams aren't going to act and they're just going to wait around for the likes of Kevin O'Connell from the Rams or Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs, 
Um, you know, Mike McDaniel from the 49ers. I know his name's not been particularly hot in terms of, uh, you know, coaching candidates, but um, hopefully here in the next four or five days and over the weekend, we see some of these dominoes start to fall. But let's give a quick little rundown here. Jacksonville, they're down to their kind of main four or five, if you will, looking at Daryl Bevel, Todd Bowles from the the, uh, the Bucks, Byron Leftwich, Matt Eberflus, and Jim Caldwell. So um, real interesting to see what uh, owner Khan's going to do there and Trent Balky and what they decide to go ahead with. I, I would lean to me with just the ties to the organization in, in Byron Leftwich, I think is is the lead candidate there. If I would have to, you know, pick a name out of the, out of those five, I think Todd Bowles, much like Leslie Frazier, might have heard his case uh, with the uh, with end of game snafu, if you will, which we'll get into both of those in a minute here. But um, Minnesota Vikings looks like they've lost their opportunity to go ahead and hire um, general manager Ryan Poles from the Kansas City Chiefs coming over. He is officially signed with the Chicago Bears uh, late this afternoon, early this evening, and um, they are going to be probably hiring um, a front office uh, manager from the Cleveland Browns, Kowesi Adolfu uh, Mansa. Um, so that looks like that might be finalized here in Minnesota over the next couple days. And then they've opened up their search, interviewing Todd Bowles, Kevin O'Connor, Raheem Morris, John Gannon, uh, D'Amico Ryans they're pre- uh, impressed with. Rumor coming out of there right now is Bowles and D'Amico Ryans are um, kind of the lead candidates and 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 they really impressed um, the Vikings brass. So, um, but same old same old scenario with the same old teams. Like you know, two defensive minds, um, you know, impressing the brass in Minnesota. So it just seems you know the, the Bears are the same way. You look at the Bears' final four here: uh, Jim Caldwell, Dan Quinn, Matt Eberflus, and Dennis Allen. Um, are some of the the names coming out um, out of Chicago? Three of those four names are defensive minds. It, it's just they seem to, you know, grab these franchises seem to have an identity, and they feel they've got to hire the the coach to fit their identity instead of, you know, kind of going with the times and seeing, you know, the the Chiefs Bills game and and the Bucks and the Rams game and these high high powered offenses. And maybe going that way, but uh, it would be real interesting to see what happens there. Broncos are down to their three finalists, Dan Quinn, Nathaniel Hackett um, from the Green Bay Packers, and Kevin O'Connell, offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams. So two offensive names there in Denver, and then um, a defensive name, and probably the hottest candidate, I think, in the league right now, and that's Dan Quinn. So they're down to their uh, their second interviews on their front. Um, The Giants... They're looking to uh, to finalize. They hired Joe Shane as assistant general manager in the in the last week, and uh, have have put through a few names there in terms of interviews. A couple second interviews. Brian Dayball and Brian Flores um, are kind of the lead two candidates there, and it looks like it's going to be a real um, fight. To me, um, looks like a not a power struggle, but a little bit of a a turn. In terms of you hire Joe Shane and and then he looks like he may be trying to bring in his guys. The owner obviously we know has reached out to Flores, maybe bringing in some of the, some of the guys he was impressed with. So it'll be real interesting to see who gets their way there, in terms of 
you know, is Joe Shane going to be able to hire his head coach? I, I just can't see him not wanting to bring Brian Dayball over with the mess with Daniel Jones, with the offensive weapons that they have. Um, you would have to think an offensive mind would be hired in uh, New York to try to get this thing back on track. I just don't think Brian Flores has a track record in handling QBs. We saw what happened down there in Miami. Um, he didn't have anything to do with that in New England. He was on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, the other the other names you're looking at, Patrick Graham, who was the uh, was the defensive coordinator that who was with New England at some point, um, and then Lou Anaram, um, Anaramo from uh, defensive coordinator from Cincinnati. So so more of a more defensive names there, and a couple tied back to that New England Belichick tree, which we know the Giants like to go to. Um, the owners aren't afraid to reach out to to Bill. And, um, you know, that's where Joe Judge came from. So real interesting to see what happens there in a little bit of a power struggle in my mind from owner to new general manager and what exactly and who exactly is going to get hired. The Raiders open up their search. Rich Basacci is well-liked in the building by Derek Carr and Max Crosby. But we've seen the likes of Todd Bowles, who's a hot candidate, Jim Harbaugh is still a name floating around out there for the Raiders. Gerard Mayo's been in the building and done an interview as well. So um, real interesting to see what the Raiders do. They're a big splash, big um, shiny new toy type of franchise in terms of hiring a head coach. I still don't rule out Harbaugh down there. I really don't. I think he's the, 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 the sexy Ferrari type of Lamborghini type of coach that you would want to bring in. Um, if you're not going to go that way, I think it's got to be Ritz Passaccia. I think he's earned the job. I said that on last week's podcast. So I think if it's not the the big name that you're going to see uh, Passaccia have an opportunity. Pretty quiet down there on the Miami front. Haven't heard much out of Miami over the last week or so. So I'm sure that will start to ramp up. And Houston's an absolute joke, so I'm not even going to get into them. They've had a bunch of names go through, but... Um, just not even bothering with the Houston Texans and the joke franchise that they are in the NFL. On to our divisional weekend and what my thoughts were on the divisional weekend. Then we'll flip over to your uh, preview for the conference, get you off to break, and um, get you over to some golf as we've uh, continued to ramp up the golf season here. As we sit in two and a half feet of snow up here in southern Ontario. But let's talk about the first game. We'll start right from the hop. Saturday, 4.30. Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow, the Tennessee Titans, and the Cincinnati Bengals in Nashville, Tennessee for uh, for a big matchup for them. And it starts off with an interception from Ryan Tannehill, and it just set the day. Um, not going not gonna to lie, you know... It, I wouldn't sit here and say that that um, this divisional round was the best played football because let's call a spade a spade. Uh, nine sacks against Joe Burrow, three interceptions from Ryan Tannehill. We all saw what happened with Rodgers. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was, was average at best. Um, I thought he was a little better than most. Some said, some people might tell you that he sucked on uh, on Saturday night. I wouldn't go that far. We saw the 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 Rams practically try to hand the Bucks the game late in the game with fumbles and turnovers. Um, there, Brady threw an interception himself. Um, so, in terms of the the 
the best executed football in history? No. No. This weekend was far, far from that. But entertainment-wise, that's a different story. Um, you know, to have three games off the hop, or all four games come down to uh, to a final play. I know the Bills game was, was, in, was in overtime, and we'll get to that, but... Um, you know, we know what happened in the, this Titans-Bengals games that we're talking about here. We know what happened in the, the Saturday night one. And um, obviously, uh, Matt Gay kicks the field goal there in the Rams game on that last play. So to have that entertainment um, was absolutely phenomenal. And then to top it all off with, with the Sunday nighter. But back to that Titans-Bills game, um, it was it was sloppy, lots of sacks. But a couple things that, that kind of that point out to me, and, and, you know, a lot of people are wondering, you know what is Ryan Tanhill doing on that first throw of the game, and and I get it, and you know you've got Henry back, why not give it to him? But but he was not healthy. Derrick Henry was not one hundred percent healthy. I don't care what anybody says. If you look at to me, and I mentioned this to um, a couple colleagues of mine in a in a text thread while we were watching the game, was he he missed numerous cuts, a um, couple bounce out runs oppor- opportunities. Um, a couple just you know slide here slide there that that we see from a, a healthy Derrick Henry um, it was just straight line it was I'm just gonna roll you over and I know that's his style but um, he can get a little a little bit of a, a shift here or there or, or just a one cut here or there and, and he just wasn't didn't seem to have it didn't seem to have that little bounce to the right or bounce to the left to allow him to hit the the shoulder um, or the outside of the defender and and run right through them instead you know he's trying to go right through the middle of them and and that's tough yeah you're you may be a bigger man and a bigger athlete but um, you know a lot of times you're going to lose that balance you're going to lose your contact balance and go to the ground and and that's what Cincinnati did very well early on they were able to get Derrick Henry on the ground and really force. Uh, Tannehill to become the focus of that offense and and that's the big question in Tennessee now moving forward did Ryan Tannehill peak has he had his best season and I know that was a question that a lot of people had um, moving moving into this offseason and into this season and that's going to be a question that they're going to need to answer but one thing I thought was tough for the Tennessee Titans is they just never had the ability to get those three guys on the field you know you saw the stat leading into this week 120 snaps out of 1200 where the three of them were on the field together um and i think that affected their identity we all know that mike vrabel and king henry you know you're gonna want to get him the ball but when you've only played 120 snaps leading into do into a divisional round playoff game um what is that mixture are we gonna hand Henry the ball 25 times and, and Julio and AJ are good with it or are we gonna lean off of that and and I talked about this on earlier podcasts but it's tough to find out you know it's like it, you know I always equate it to bacon cookies or, or or following a recipe yeah you may have the recipe there and you may have the thought and you know mama's baked the cookie as a million times and but now it's your turn to bake them and you put a little much, too much sugar in, or you put a little too much brown sugar in, and they're just not quite the same. And when you're making that recipe for the first time, it's tough. And I think Tennessee just never had an opportunity to 
really master that recipe and really figure out what was going to work for them in terms of the mixture of the ingredients that they had on the football field and they just never they were robbed of that opportunity uh, via COVID via injury all season long I think Tannehill's going to be given a pass on this one they'll come back with those playmakers and see where it takes them but Joe Burrow um, you know I mentioned a Dutch off air here when we were watching the game really really impressed me did he take some bad sacks? Yes, 100%. He took some bad sacks. But what impressed me was the, the demeanor and the calmness. For for someone to get you know sacked five times in the first half and another four in the second half and just be cool as a cucumber, calm, collected, still being able to deliver the ball down the field when you know the pass rush is coming. Jeffrey Simmons is a beast up front in the middle. Bud Dupree getting home. Um, and he just was cool and calm all game long, not yelling and screaming on the sidelines, just finding a way. And the Bengals found a way. Um, it wasn't Jamar Chase, it was T. Higgins. And when it's not T. Higgins, it's Tyler Boyd. When it's not Tyler Boyd, it's C.J. Uzama. Um, they just always seem to have, and and it, that comes down to, to Joe Burrow, just finding who's open and who's av- who's going to be available get that game. Who's the defense taking away? Who's my next man stepping up? How can I get them the football? What routes are they going to be open on? And the Bengals seem to have figured it out. Um, and they're leaving the ball in Joe Burrow's hands, which is great to see for, for him and his development. So that was kind of my thoughts on the Titans-Bengals game. The Packers game, um, Packers-Niners on Saturday night. Um, nothing better. Saturday night, Lambeau Field. The snow comes down in the second half. But... Um, you know, we talked there at the end about Zach Taylor, and it's a perfect segue into Kyle Shanahan. And the kudos I want to give him for being able to get your playmakers the ball in crunch time or when it's needed most. Can you run Debo Samuel the way they're running him right now all season long? No, he would not make it through. But when it comes down to it, Shanahan does such a great job of getting his playmakers the ball and getting and Debo. He he's I've said it since he was a rookie. Um, I remember saying it to Dutch's brother uh, when we were watching the Super. He's dynamic. He is absolutely flat out dynamic with his hands on on the football when the football's in his hands. Um, he's electric. He is like none other in the NFL. He's probably top three in the, up there with the likes of Tyreek Hill himself and and very few others are in that glorified era of of what Debo Samuel can do when his hands are around that football and Kyle Shanahan did it right from the start of the second half what did he do he puts Debo Samuel back to return the punt to return the kickoff and it gets returned out to the 40 or 45 and boom Sam Fran's off to the races in that second half uh, you know making the comeback so kudos to Kyle Shanahan. Um, they're in tough this week, but uh, we'll get into that to a minute there. But uh, over to the MVP and Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers. And we talked about this in the second last week, week 17. We talked about what his legacy would be and where his legacy's at. And, it's, and now those questions have risen. You know, when, when people talked about Big Ben and, and him not reaching his potential and, and where are we at with 
A-Rod 12. And the Green Bay Packers, another home playoff loss. This one does not come in the conference championship round. He continue, he will continue to have a 1-5 conference championship record. Um, five of those, I believe, are at home. The only victory is on the road. And uh, just a just a unimpressive stat line. At home, 20-29 for 225 yards. No TDs, no picks. But uh, just, you know, Devontae Adams does not get over 100 yards against a beat up and banged up uh, 49ers secondary and here we stand at 38 years old and and the questions rise about number one will he be in Green Bay Uh, number two will he even be back in the NFL period again next year and where will he play what is the plan going to be and and to me Saturday night really put a out of all the the MVPs and the, the stat lines and yardage throwing and completion percentage and accuracy and all the, the great things that Aaron Rodgers has done in his career. Um, it put a bow tie on the fact that, you know, he's got to really look hard at what he wants his legacy to be. Do I want to be a one Super Bowl quarterback? Um, and I think Peyton, Peyton, I think he's at a very similar crossroads to what Peyton Manning was at in his career. Long, historic career with one franchise. But how do I now go ahead? I don't think A-Rod's going to retire. I'd be shocked if he retired. Because I think he knows that he needs a second or third championship here. And I think he's going to try to play another, I would say two, maybe even if it has to be three years here. Um, I don't think he wants to play three. I think if you asked him right now, he would he would say absolutely not. But... I think what he does know is, is that he's at a very similar crossroads to Peyton Manning in terms of when Manning realized I've got to go somewhere else now and get on a team that's ready to win now and ready to win that Super Bowl. And that's when, when Peyton pulled the trigger trigger on Denver. And, you know, they went to, to you know, pretty high altitudes, no pun intended, with, with their offense in and, and that first year. And they didn't get it done. You know, we all know the, the Seahawks 51-8 to game. And then they come back and and get that championship for, for Manning when, you know what, he wasn't at his best in, in that year. I believe it was 2016, and, you know, nine TDs and 17 picks and, you know, a pretty unimpressive playoff record. He didn't, you know, he didn't have a horrible playoffs, you know, two TDs and, and one interception in three games, not a whole lot of yardage. But they relied on that defense and they were able to get him that championship. And, you know, not the majority of people aren't going to remember those statistics off the top of their head but they'll remember the championship and I think that's what Aaron Rodgers has really got to look take a deep hard look at himself and at this point what do you what do you what are you playing for are you are you playing for the MVPs and the the 40 to 45 million dollars that you feel you're worth or or the league you know dictates that your market value is is worth that then stay in Green Bay and ride it out and, and win one Super Bowl and be done with it. But if you want to cement a legacy as, you know, a top five greatest quarterback of all time or top three greatest quarterback of all time, then you need to go ahead and get an, another championship here and you need to get it quick. Um, you're on the, the wrong side of time 
age-wise, and you need to figure out where you're going to go and how can I help whatever team it is, whether it be um, Denver or San Fran or, you know, return home to, to San Fran or um, Pittsburgh, wherever it, it wherever it is that he decides to go because I do not believe he's going back in Green Bay. I, I think it's time um, that franchise deserves better to be, you know, held up again from a 38-year-old quarterback who's only given him one championship um, and and continuously hells him up and pulls shenanigans all all season and all year long. Um, you need to figure out where you're going and what cap number are you going to play for because if you if he's going to continue to go and play for 40, 45 million, that's a real limited amount of teams that are available to be able to pay him that amount of money and be a championship contender. So um, some real search, soul searching to do for uh, for Mr. Aaron Rodgers. Bucks Rams, uh, you know what a what an appetizer um, in terms of the football game for uh, for that Sunday nighter. Bucks Rams, and it was a phenomenal game. Sloppy game. Rams almost give it away, but all the questions were answered. Matthew Stafford, um, well done. Well done. Running game couldn't get going early, which we knew they couldn't. And Stafford aired it out, and he did what he needed to do, delivered the ball down the field to the receivers, Cooper Cup, um, Odell Beckham Jr., Tyler Higby, um, running backs out of the backfield and they really did a nice job cam Akers started to get going a little bit in the second half as it opened up the running game but um you know some turnovers fumbles um really allowed the bucks to to crawl back into that game and and you know what a great pre precursor game uh, exactly what I thought. I thought Brady would have a real tough time getting the ball to evans and and finding a way to get the ball down the field and, and score enough points and and he didn't he needed the help of the rams and some turnovers to really turn the tide in that game but when it came down to it the rams came out punched him in the mouth literally uh right off the hop and and the bucks and brady didn't have an answer until the second half before it was too late and they almost uh Almost mounted the uh, the unsurmountable comeback, very similar to the Falcons Super Bowl game, twenty eight to three, twenty seven to three. You know, hell of a job. Hats off to Brady and the Bucks for for the fight that they showed. But ultimately, um, Todd Bowles dials up the blitz, doesn't get communicated all the way across the board, and it's a busted coverage at the most inopportune time. And um, Cooper Cup hits him over the top to uh to get them into that field goal range to kick the uh the field goal with no time to go in regulation 30 to 27 but uh all the questions for me were answered for matt stafford um i think all all those questions are are done and gone now um can this guy win a can this quarterback win a super bowl you're darn right he can and especially when he plays on a team that's that's uh well surrounded like uh like the rams are to me Rams Chiefs got to be the favorite going in uh, going into that Super Bowl. So great football game, real sloppy, and we've got these same questions around Tom Brady again. It's uh, you know all of a sudden uh, Sunday, late Sunday before they just as the, the game's about to start, um, you, you get this release of uh, possible retirement for Brady. I'm on the fence on this one. 
One day I think it might be, uh, you know, you read a statement and you hear about what he said on his podcast yesterday um, about family and, and being able to commit the time to his to his wife and his kids and, you know, makes you think it's possible. But, you know, does he want to go out uh, like that? Or does he does he not care? Does he think you know what I, I've done enough? I, I come down here to Tampa. My family allowed me to play a couple more years here, um, but it's now time for them. And and if if that's the the big thought, then I I don't see how he could um, really come back um, and justify it. You know, you listen to Tom Brady talk about his preparation leading into that week and and you know asking his family and friends to that you know this is all football and and that's the the tip of the cap that I give to Brady is that he's just so committed to to winning and his team and that if he's going to come back it, it's going to be at 110%. It's not going to be half ass. I'm not just going to trot out here and and do the Kobe Bryant trick and go around the world one last time just to tip my cap and play in front of all the fans. The NFL may ask him to do that for ratings and for money, uh, which we'll get into uh, in a minute here. But um, that's not Tom Brady. You know, you, you hear about him. I'm I'm all football leading into this week. You know, I go I get up at six o'clock. I go to work. I I work out. We do meetings, we prepare for the game, we do practices. I come home, I eat dinner, and I'm straight into the film room. I'm watching another three hours of film, and then I'm off to bed. And that's what he does for five, six consecutive days leading into these playoff football games and and, and a lot of these regular season games. It is all football all the time with that man. And you can see why from, from family to um, just the grind of, of these 20-plus years in the NFL. It, it, you know, he's starting to question, could it be time for him to, to pack it up and pack it in? But something to keep an eye on. I hope he goes one more year myself um, and gives us one more one more shot and, and really, you know, gets back to the Super Bowl. I was Selfishly, I was hoping for a Bucks bills Super Bowl. You know, the Bills beat Mahomes, slay that dragon, get into the the Super Bowl with a win over the Bengals and then uh, have one last dragon to slay in, in Tom Brady uh, against the, the Bucks. but uh, that was a, that was the selfish thought by myself but on to the dessert the creme de la creme if you will um, the Sunday night matchup um, for the divisional round and that was the Bills and the Chiefs what a football game the average uh, divisional matchup this week had just over 38 million viewers um, for each of the four games was the average this game averaged 52 million viewers at its peak it, it had 90 percent of the TVs turned on in the city uh, in the state of Missouri turned on to this game on Sunday night the Buffalo numbers haven't come out but I would imagine it would be much more of the same if not more but uh, what more what more could you want? You know, you, a lot of times you get this hype of, of the you know the QB matchup, and and uh, it, it never delivers. You know, you get a 24-21. There's some interceptions and here and there, but all of the statistics from you know 
the 18 points scored in in the last minute to um, the lead changes to the yardage to just some of the throws and some of the heroics by both of these quarterbacks to do what they did um, is it was absolutely unbelievable and it was and it was great for great for football great for the NFL and um, you know ultimately it, it, for me as a fan this one stung uh, and I'll take my podcast hat off and, and put the fan hat on and and I'm not over it you know you're in the the five stages of uh of grief you know you first you get to to sadness to then you now now I'm kind of at anger wondering how in the hell can you not hold somebody starting on the 25 um for 13 seconds whether they have timeouts or not um to the kickoff you know why do you not pooch kick it you know and then you start to look at some of the other coaching decisions throughout the the course of the game and and what really went on there and, and as a Bills fan that's probably the most disappointing thing for for me as a fan was um you know th- the breakdown in coaching over to me the last quarter and a half um defensively and special teams wise specifically offensively uh you know we all saw what Josh Allen did and 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 what Pat, Patrick Mahomes did but um you know we all saw what what Josh did, and and um, so offensively, there's there's no qualms there. Some early on offensive coaching decisions, specifically a, a drive uh, in the second quarter there with about eight minutes to go with the run, run, run. The first drive out of the second half, same thing, run, run, run. Um, you got to put your foot on the gas pedal. You can't you can't afford in a game like that to punt four times back to catch Patrick Mahomes, and only force two punts coming back the other way. So. Um, that was those small little things were you know they add up and they're key to the game but ultimately that game comes down to to 13 seconds as we know and didn't get it done but we talked about last week on the podcast those four quarterbacks that have the most to play for and we named Matty Stafford Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes and Jimmy G Jimmy G's answered all the questions leading into the last week whether he he's earned himself the continuation of the starting job in 2022 in San Fran, or he's earned himself like we said another starting job on another roster somewhere else in the NFL. Matthew Stafford, I think it's you know maybe some may say okay get me to a Super Bowl to show that you can get there. Um, some may have one more little roadblock here in in the conference in the conference round. And then we talked about Allen and Mahomes, and and in terms of Allen, we we talked about, you know, he had the most to play for this week in terms of when it, when will it be his time to go ahead and beat Patrick Mahomes and and win the conference championship and make it to the Super Bowl and bring Buffalo back to where they where they'd been four times uh, earlier in the mid '90s, and in my mind, I thought there's no possible way he can do that without winning the football game but he did he did he now shut up all of the doubters 52 million eyeballs on Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and there's a lot of people walking away that have absolutely no questions about Josh Allen now and his ability to be a top three two three at worst four or five quarterback in the NFL no questions asked you cannot name me three or four quarterbacks better than Josh Allen right now in the NFL. You can't do it. You cannot do it. 
over the last three seasons, what that kid's done is progression to the last two seasons, and the numbers that he's put up are top-notch, and, and that is case closed, period. Now, the narrative about, and this, this feel-good, oh, don't worry, Bills fans, you'll be back, um, ask Dan Marino, and I've, said, I've used this line before, ask Dan Marino if he got back. Ask Aaron Rodgers when he got back. And I know, and, and we're talking, the, the Bills haven't even made the Super Bowl yet. So, yeah, they may get back to the wild card of the divisional round, but that was an opportunity to go ahead, slay the Mahomes dragon, you host the Bengals at home in your your place, haven't had an AFC championship at home in, in you know, 30 years. The place would have been lit, lit up like a Christmas tree, and I would have bet my house and home on the fact that the Buffalo Bills would not have lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. At home, they would to me they would have been no doubt going to the Super Bowl. Instead, now I think it's Patrick Mahomes. I got the same feeling um, after watching him. That's the best football game I've ever seen Patrick Mahomes play in his five years in the uh, in the NFL. Absolutely phenomenal football game. Um, that first drive was was all Patrick with his legs, with his arm, very similar to what uh, what Josh doing. As soon as that happened, I, I you know you knew you were in for. For something special and, and you were so absolutely phenomenal if you haven't had the chance to check the nfl films audio on that chief's final drive the 13 seconds left please do so um some real good audio there to uh to check out this week two quarterbacks the most to play for patrick mahomes and matt stafford mahomes we talked about it similar to, to rogers go go create your legacy go get yourself another super bowl Stafford, continue to shut him up. Get yourself into the Super Bowl. All those questions will be null and void and put to bed. And you can do it from the comfort of your own home. You do not now have to leave SoFi Stadium to get that job done. On to the conference round before we send you off to break here, folks. Um, 40, let's start with the 49ers and the Rams. We'll get into the keys of the game. We're going to go short and sweet here. We've been covering these teams um, for uh, for 18 weeks and playoffs here. A um, couple things here. This is the third time that these teams are going to play. We know they're coming out of the uh, the NFC West. 49ers have won both of them. I believe they've won five out of the last six up, six matchups in this um, matchup here. Rams are favored by three and a half. 46 is the total. But to me, the keys of the game, and, and here's the thing that, that why to me the Rams struggle with the 49ers and that is because they they neutralize their playmakers you look at you know the bucks and and what they want to do they want to go out yeah they're going to run the ball with playoff lenny but they want to get get the ball when they're healthy in the hands of godwin and evans and gronk and all those pieces they had that's not san francisco's game san francisco's look at the the, the week 10 matchup Elijah Mitchell, 27 carries. I think they ran the ball 39 times. Garoppolo threw it 19 times for 176 yards and two tutties. Like, San Fran wants to come out and run the football, pound the rock, play action off of it, you know, do some jet sweeps and end arounds off of it, really challenge your your discipline to stay at home and not over-pursue on the stretch runs, and then they play play action off of it and open up some wide zones in that secondary and everything looks the same 
uh, Shanahan McVay that's the you know came from the same coaching tree the same staff in Washington you know make everything make the passes look like the runs so the steps coming out from the off- offensive lineman look like run blocking plays ball in the belly pull it out now you've got that defense in a in a tough predicament so they neutralize Aaron Donald they neutralize Leonard Floyd they neutralize Von Miller they ask them to hey earn your pass rush buck up and put your big boy pads on because we're going to run the ball 35 40 times and if you want to beat us and you want to sack our quarterback and you want to be a star in this game you better stop the run first before you come after jimmy g and 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 sack our quarterback so they neutralize that defensive line and they don't have the big weapons that they're going to target 13 to 15 times like a Devonte adams that they can put jalen ramsey on because they move Debo Samuel around so much, because we can't really follow Samuel. George Kittle's a tight end. Who's, can manhandle Ramsey inside over the middle of that football field. So yeah, in, in certain spots where Kittle's um, flexed out, okay, you can put Ramsey on him. But that's going to be a handful times in, a handful of times in the football game. So offensively, they they really neutralize the stars of the Rams, and that I think that's what makes it a tough matchup for the Rams. Um, from a defensive perspective, from an offensive perspective, I think it's it's got to be that same thing, and, and it's up to you know really riding the hot hot arm of of Stafford. They got to challenge the 49ers down the football field, and I, they answered the bell. They answered the bell. They did a really good job against Green Bay. I think the weather and the cold had a little bit to do with that, but um, in terms of the 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 Rams they've got to throw the football down the field and do the same thing let the pass open up the run that D line for the 49ers is real good you're gonna have to be blocked up but I think if they can Stafford can have some early success in the pass game they can really start to get the run game going a little bit that D line can really hold up the run game and do a good job so that's kind of my keys for that 49ers Rams game for the Bengals and the, and the Chiefs um comes down to one thing get the Lamborghini out Joe because are you going to be able to keep up um, Chris Jones and Melvin Ingram are licking their chops and smelling blood after watching that Tennessee D-line sack Joe Burrow nine times and if they can get to him five or six times and force five or six punts uh, Cincinnati's not going to be able to keep up I, I think this is a 10 plus point victory for the Chiefs I really do I, I think um, they're going to be able to manhandle that that uh, poor Bengals offensive line I think the key to the game for the Bengals is Joe Mixon hand the ball to Joe Mixon I've been pounding the table all year to let Joe Burrow throw the ball but I think they've got to get a better mixture of Joe, uh, you are not going to beat the Chiefs the same way you beat the Tennessee Titans you cannot get sacked six, seven, eight, nine times because that means punts and that means Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes, right now, the, the Cincinnati G's, they've been solid, but they haven't faced Patrick Mahomes. Not in the playoffs, not in the last few weeks, and not at Arrowhead. So look out. The Bengals better show up on the defensive side, on the offensive side. Got to find a way to get Joe Mixon involved and get some play action slow that game down slow those pass rushers down slow down steve spagnola don't allow him to force you into these third and long where he can start to dial up some of these exotic blitzes 
with Legereus Sneed and Tyron Matthew and some of these guys in the secondary and at that second level, uh, Willie Gay, Nick Bolton. So those are my keys to the game for the championship round. Rams, Chiefs, that's what I'm looking at and that's what I'd like to see. I think those are the best two teams left. That's what I want to see in the Super Bowl and I want to see Patrick Mahomes go get himself another Super Bowl and uh, pers- sorry, I want to see Stafford win one at home at SoFi but um you know wouldn't mind seeing Mahomes uh be the uh, the grim reaper if you will just like he was to the Buffalo Bills there with 13 seconds to go folks that's it from a football side enjoy championship football weekend three o'clock 6 30 Sunday January 30th enjoy the game we got a little other football going on Team Canada will be playing as well uh, against the U.S. of A. and a World Cup qualifier, a little footy-footy for all my footy-footy fans out there. So enjoy that as well. But uh, hope you enjoyed that. Make sure you're following us along on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, and YouTube. Give us a subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast if you will. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Real life passion for real life sports. Here comes the, here comes the, here comes the, y'all don't really want it like, yeah, here comes the, here comes the. All right, Triple G listeners, hope you enjoyed a little segment there from Ginger's Gridiron and Golf Podcast. Welcome back from break. We're going to talk a little world of golf here. We've got four, three tours going back again, or four tours back again last week. We've got three major tours back this week. But let's start with the Champions Tour at the Mitsubishi in Hawaii. The mechanic wins in a playoff. Miguel Angel Jimenez taken down the first event on the uh, 2022 Champions Tour. And uh, the old boys are taking a little break. They'll be back, returned for the Chubb Classic in uh, middle to end of February. So we're going to put them on the back burner, if you will, for a few weeks here. And uh, we're going to slide over to uh, Abu Dhabi and the Emirates for the uh, DP World Tour. Um, Thomas Peters returns and into the winner's circle at minus 10 at the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship, with, which had a great field like we talked about on last week's uh, podcast. And it's going to return again for uh, the event at Emirates Golf Club this week at, uh, at Abu Dhabi. And the same big field will be there. A lot of the guys are sticking around for these two events. You've still got Rory and Colin Morikawa and Tyrrell Hatton, Shane Lowry, Poulter and Westwood and Casey. Peters is back again. Hovland's still there. So some great um, great couple events to kick it off for, for the DP World Tour. So um, real good start for them. And real good start for uh, for a couple uh, European Ryder Cuppers. Victor Dubusson with a fourth place finish. Uh, Rafa Cabrera-Bello. With, uh, with a second-place finish. Um, Adam Scott, I know he's not a Ryder Cupper, but uh, he was top 10. Scott Jamison, tough uh, final round, was uh, leading after three rounds, but he finished uh, T10, the Scotsman. Rory McIlroy, watch out for him this week. He is actually my pick. 
uh, finished T12, had a great weekend uh, with tough conditions where a lot of a lot of guys were shooting, you know, par, one over, one under, um, hanging right around there. Rory comes in with a 67-69, finishes at minus five, and uh, sneaks up into uh, the classic Rory with a good finish to get in close to the top ten at T12. Shout out to Podrick Harrington and Lee Westwood. 50-plus boys finishing T20 this week, minus four, right in the hunt all week long. Well done to Potty and Lee for uh, for their finish at the Abu Dhabi. So a great event at uh, the Emirates Golf Club this week on the DP World Tour, and um, they'll be playing. So keep your eyes open for that as it's um, is a big event, for big couple events as they kick it off um, over there. So that will be real interesting to see as it's the uh, the Slink dot io dubai desert classic at the emirates golf club is uh, as i look it up here is the event that they'll be playing this week over there onto the lpga tour and a great start for our homegrown girl brooke henderson's second place finish out right to daniel daniel kang at minus 13 at lake nona the gals tied it up or t- tore it up i knew it would be uh, i figured it would be a tougher golf course for them but uh they shined Minus 16 for Daniel Kang and some cold temperatures down in Florida over the course of the weekend. Um, and it did not affect them at all. And real interesting to hear Daniel Kang say that a lot of her off-season golf, she tried to play in some bad weather because she was not a, a, a good bad weather player in her mind. And, and it uh, it came through very handy for her. So really well done. Great start for Brooke as well. So uh, great to see that. And the uh, the gals will stay in Florida. They're going to be at the Gamebridge Boca Raton for the Boca Rio at uh, Boca Rio Golf Club. Uh, par 72, 6,700 yards. Very similar um, par and yardage to uh, to Lake Nona. So they'll be uh, they'll be there. A lot of the same gals um, in the field again because of the proximity to uh, to the event uh, in in Florida there. But uh, Real cool thing. I don't know if um, anybody caught it on social media, but um, don't know who put it out there, but I did catch it. Nelly Corda, and this is a little stat, so if you ever think you're you know, becoming a real good golfer, check yourself before you wreck yourself here because uh, we're, I'm going to bring everybody down a peg or two, including myself. Nelly Corda shoots minus 13 this week. Uh, minus 16, we know Daniel Kang is the winner, but it was a pro-am event with some real good golfers and real good names to like um, Marty Fish, the old American tennis player, plays um, this week. He is a plus 2.8 handicap at his home club, and he plays four rounds at Lake Nona. What did he shoot? Plus eight, 21 shots behind Nelly Corda. Same tees, same yardage. Derek Lowe, a point two, so he's a scratch handicap shoots plus six so he, he plays a little better this week than than marty did in terms of their uh, their handicap plus six 19 shots behind nelly corda alfonso ribeiro carlton is a 0. 0.03 handicap so scratch golfer as well for alfonso shoots plus 24 and Jack Wagner, the old daytime soap opera actor. We all know Jack. We all know he can golf his ball still, even though he's getting up there in age a little bit. He's a 1.1 handicap. Shoots plus 16. 29 shots behind Nelly Corda. 32 shots behind Daniel Kang. Folks, 
you want to test your game, you don't think these gals are good, you don't know what you're talking about. These girls can golf their ball. They're absolutely rock solid. Unbelievable. Yeah, they, they don't hit it 340 yards, but they're down the middle all day long. And they hit irons tight to the hole, and they can put the lights out just like the boys can. So uh, these girls are good. And check yourself before you wreck yourself next time you think you're a good golfer, me included. So moving on, the ladies are playing a big event. Another solid field down there in Florida in Boca Raton. Look out for that one. And on to the PGA Tour. It is the West Coast Swing. Always probably some of my favorite golf of the year. Um, just because of the amalgamation of, to me, golf and football. And and we're seeing it. Uh, we've got golf and football Wednesday all the way through till Sunday. You've got the great events happening that I just talked about. you got the Farmers Insurance and CBS did not want Jim Nance to have to double dip and try to call the final round of the Farmers from the um, Kansas City or Buffalo, wherever that uh, AFC Championship game was going to be, or Tennessee. Um, so they have moved the Farmers Insurance from a Wednesday to Saturday event, and CBS will continue to pick up their Sunday coverage at three o'clock for the uh, the AFC Championship game. Uh, but I believe it'll be Nats and Romo on the call. So in Kansas City there. So we're at the Farmers, and it's just the amalgamation of of the end of the uh, the football season, and really the 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 gear up, and we get the West Coast swing, then we get the Florida swing, and then we get the Masters, and it's just the start of the the golf season. So it's it's a real fun time, my favorite time of the year. From, from this event uh, with the conference championships to um, being in Phoenix for uh, in Scottsdale for the waste management on the day of the Super Bowl. You know, some of my my favorite golf events, um, other than majors and the Ryder Cup and those, be, just because of, in my mind, what they stand for in the in the calendar year. So we're back again at Torrey Pines on the north course and the south course. Uh, South course we know is a beast, 7,200 it'll play. We know it plays less than that in some of the majors, but 72 uh, is the par, 7,700 yards it can stretch out to. It probably won't be that this week, I would imagine, somewhere around 74, 75 for the boys. And the north course, a little lighter, but has toughened up over the years here. Par 72 can stretch out to 7,300. They'll probably have it in around 71, 72 for the boys this week. But uh, one thing that I was pumped to see, nine Canadians in the field, all of the uh, the seven that are that have status are in there. And then Jared Detroit and uh, Maxwell Steer Monday qualify this week as Canadians for the Farmers. So shout out to those two specifically and shout out to the nine Canadians, the most we've had in a PGA Tour sanctioned event since 1970. Dutch and I talked about how it was an important year for the Canadians on the tour. I asked Cameron Morfett about it at the end of uh, Season 2 last year, and it is coming to fruition. We are coming hot and furious, and Golf Canada is just going to keep getting bigger and better, and there'll be more and more Canadians out on tour on a week-by-week basis. You watch as uh, Canadian golf continues on the rise. But uh, Hudson Hudson Swadford closes out uh, the American Express uh, at minus 23. We were close on our picks last week, folks. We had uh, Sun JM uh, T11, slow start, but uh, good finish. 
our extreme long long shot Andrew Putnam uh, same thing slow start good finish was T14 so just missing out on a uh, you know top 5 each way Seamus Power tough Sunday shoots 74 for a T14 finish thought we were going to be able to cash him in there and at least get our uh, our stake back and KH Lee same thing extreme long shot 125 to 1 shoots 76 in the final round you know, he shoots a 68, and we're right in the midst there, and we're cashing our way to the bank. But let's get to our picks here for this week at the Farmers, and we'll start it from the bottom now we here with our long shot. Couldn't believe we got this guy. Um, T2 last year in 2021. Uh, T21 in 2020 with um, a final round of plus four. So you can imagine where he would have been going into that. And T13 in 2019, he's 80 to 1. My long shot of the week. To me, I look for, for guys that can move it out there and bomb it out a li- out there a little bit with the, the length of these golf courses. And I'm taking Ryan Palmer. 80 to 1, sign me up with those finishes. Ryan Palmer, thank you. My rock steady pick at uh, 55 to 1 on the week. He's had a good couple finishes in this event the last couple times uh, in 2020 and 2021. T9 in 2020. T tw- uh, T21, he was T18, and he was tied 15th at the Century to start his season off. I'm going Max Homa. Max Homa is my rock steady pick of the week. I'm not taking the big guns. You know, it, it, JT and Rom, and we're looking for a little bit of value this week, folks. And we're going to our big gun at 25 to 1. Came off last weekend with a 67-69 to finish on the weekend. So his game's rounded into form. He can play this golf course. I know he missed the cut here in the U.S. Open, but that golf course is set up a lot differently for that event in the U.S. Open. But we're looking at the Farmers Insurance, and he was T2 last year, T6 in 2020, and T13 in 2019. Pretty solid record in the last three years. He can bomb it, and that is Tony Finau. So I'm going Tony Finau, Max Homa, Ryan Palmer as my picks this week at the Farmers Insurance. Make sure you're following us along. We'll have our picks out and this podcast out tomorrow morning on Wednesday morning to start the Farmers Insurance. We'll get it out there before the boys tee off early in the morning. Other than that, folks, enjoy the Farmers Insurance, lots of golf happening to watch this weekend. Enjoy Conference Championship Weekend in the NFL. Make sure you're rate reviewing, following us along on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and um, YouTube. Give us a subscribe on all the social media outlets, and we'll catch you next week.